Oak City Move is a podcast on 88.1 WKNC, highlighting people creating positive change in the triangle and beyond. Oak City Move can be heard on air every Monday from 5 to 7 p.m. on 88.1 WKNC or online at wknc.org listen. For episodes and more information, go to our blog at blog.wknc.org or follow us on SoundCloud at WKNC881. My name's Sarah, and you're listening to the Oak City Move, a weekly program here on WKNC. Janae's here with me too, but she's getting over being sick, so she's just hanging out. Hi. Yeah, she she had to climb up all the stairs. Our elevator's broken. It's yeah. What, I don't. If you've you've probably never been to Witherspoon, you dear listener, but Witherspoon is not not a really well kept building. But yeah. Before we were going on air, we had a conversation about the fact that if there's any disabled students who work. On the second or third floor of this building, like that's especially ridiculous because the elevator's been out for at least like a week now. Mm-hmm. And it always is really slow too and like just not, yeah, so maybe you could donate to WKNC and we can fix the elevator. No, anyway, so uh, it's getting to that point in semester where we're kind of losing all the will to live. So we're uh, <laughs> we're just going to be playing an old episode today. But first, I'm going to read off a couple of really cool events that are going on this week that maybe you can check out. Um, so this first one is a special screening of National Geographic's The Muslim Nest Next Door. Um, it's led by Katie Kirk. And a really cool thing about this, I guess, project is um, Katie Kirk came to Raleigh um, for this program and interviewed a bunch of different people, but among them was my mom's fourth grade class. So there, those little kids are in the show, which is really cool. So they're doing a screening of that on Wednesday the 11th from 6.45 to 8.15 at the Lighthouse here in downtown Raleigh. Um, it's open to the public. Anybody can come, so feel free to go and check that out. And next we have the Wendover uh, Volume 52 release party. So Wendover is one of the other student media publications that we have here at NC State. It's our literary arts magazine. So they always do a release party to give out the book, share all the stuff they've been working on for the whole year. It's super fun. There's a lot of live performances and things like that. So that is on Friday the 13th from 7 to 9 p.m. at Art Space in downtown Raleigh. Real quick, between those two dates oh, yeah. is um, the 12th this Thursday at Flex Nightclub. The NC State women's rugby team is having true, true, true. a drag king show. Um, I've gone every semester, year that they do it in the past. I love it. I will be there. Yes. For it, my fans who are interested fun time. in seeing me see them. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that are a lot of uh, women that work for KNC that also are on the women's rugby team. So that's Support super women's cool. sports. Yes. So there's those two events. Then we also have Pedal for Progress, which is hosted by the Oak City Cycling Project, which is on Sunday from 1 to 4. Um, in all honesty, there's a lot of details about this event that I don't understand, but if you are interested, you can check it out on Facebook. It's basically an event to celebrate uh, International Women's Day, a bit belated, but they're doing a project where they kind of incorporate cycling with that so that again is on sunday from one to four and finally there is a pop-up exhibition and book signing with leon capitanos i don't know if i pronounced that right but this um photographer took a bunch of pictures at our local favorite local coffee shop cup of joe uh that always plays 88.1 so shout out to cup of joe but um they this artist um took a bunch of pictures and compiled them together um 
in a new book called All Are Welcome Portraits from Cup of Joe. So this will be at Cam Raleigh on April 15th, which is Sunday from 3 to 5 p.m. So those are all the events I have for you guys. I'm going to play a couple more songs. Then we'll do a replay of, uh, oh, wait, there's one more event. Janae is going to be popping in. On Wednesday in Tally Student Union in the GLBT Center, there is a lesbian literature club meeting, um, if that interests you. Yeah, it's at 5 p.m. At 5 p.m., yes. Yep. Um, if you had any questions about any of these events that we're talking about, you can always call us because you know, we're kind of a little bit out of order with that. So it's 919-515-0881 or 919-515-2400. And all the events that I mentioned are on Facebook as well if you wanted to check them out there. You're listening to a weekly program here named The Oak City Move. My name's Sarah. My name's Janae. And we're speaking to Muslim Women for an organization here in the Triangle. Hey, guys. Hi. Can you tell us your names? Yeah, your names and just a little bit about the organization. My name is Iman Awi. My name is Duha Madini. And my name is Leila Ali. Awesome. And so what, what's Muslim Women for? Oh, so Muslim Women for um, is a community-based organization that started um, a year ago, exactly, maybe a year and a month. Um, and so it's a community organization of diverse Muslim women leaders that work to create lasting social change by uplifting the narratives and stories of Muslim women um, and women of color. Awesome. And so what kind of, what was the process? And like, how did this all get started? What's the story there? <laughs> well, I remember that Layla was one time ranting to <laughs> Daha and I about some of the issues we have as Muslim women with everything going on in our environment, the political environment, social justice in general. And we were just kind of ranting back and forth to each other, and Layla brought up an idea to start an organization. And we were like, hey, we're here. Why don't we join that with you? Why don't we do it all together? And that's kind of the background story of how it took off. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, us three, like our friendship, a lot of it had to do with these kinds of similar struggles and similar experiences of being women of color um, and being Muslim women. And that kind of became not only the foundation of our friendship, but also the foundation of our partnership in this organization. And, you know, I couldn't have thought of, you know, uh, two other women to lead this with, but the honey men, because, and, and, you know, and it was more of also kind of, you know, experiencing spaces both, both in Muslim, in the Muslim community and outside the Muslim community that don't highlight and don't uplift the voices and experiences of women. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was just exhausting. I mean, we were just mm -hmm. exhausted and tired of that. And so we were like, you know what, let's just make a space for women, Muslim women. And, and, we know, and we knew that many and countless other women were waiting for that as well. So that's kind of why. <laughs> and so you talk about being a part of several different um, identity groups, so being Muslim, being a woman, being a person of color. What are the interactions like between those groups, like having all these identities? Like how do they fit together and do they fit together really well or not so much? Yeah, so I definitely think that they fit together. I mean, us three here, we're the definition of that. You know, we, we're here. So obviously they fit together. And so um, just kind of going off what Layla said, we, we wanted to start an organization that highlights 
and highlights people who look like us and who mm-hmm. have experienced things that we've experienced. And also we recognize that we don't represent everyone. You know, um, I, for example, am a Sudanese Muslim American and I wear hijab. You know, I don't represent every single Muslim woman who's out there. And so we do our best, I think, to be very intentional about the events that we do. And we try to bring in other people who have <laughs> other experiences um, and making sure that they feel comfortable coming to our events um, and making their voice heard and really not allowing anyone to be silenced. And so what kind of work do you guys do? Like, is it mainly giving a platform for people to speak? Is it service? Like, what what kind of things do you guys do? I think we try to have events that are requested by our community members. Mm -hmm. Um, We definitely see a void in social justice work within our Muslim community, so we try to fill that by listening to what our community members have to say. So we've done workshops, we've done um, um, videos for Get Out the Vote, that kind of stuff. We've just kind of done a lot of things to motivate and inspire people, uh, network with others, and see what's out there, what kind of social justice issues that we could focus on and work together towards. And um, does your organization, so creating that space for Muslim women, is it... um, more of a sanctuary for you guys to discuss within yourselves how you feel about what you're seeing in the activist community in your own separate communities or is it um a mixture of that and like educating non-muslim women non-muslims to kind of understand where you're coming from like is it a sanctuary or is it informate like pushing information or both so i think it's definitely both while we do work and you know we do advocacy work we do service work we do educational mm-hmm. workshops and stuff like that that's not only targeted towards the muslim community but but non-muslims and well as well as, an, as as other organizations but we we also have and have hosted um several spaces that you know are healing spaces mm-hmm. and conversation spaces where um it's you know for the purpose of it is to highlight um the experiences and struggles of the muslim community and particularly muslim women so i think it's it's both um we do both work and since you guys are such a new organization, what was that like getting the word out and getting people? Definitely, like, I can see the interest, like being a Muslim woman myself and, you know, belonging to other identity groups. Definitely the interest is there. But what was the process like getting people to come out, like starting a group like that? Like, you know, it's it's a huge responsibility. There's so many other factors that people don't take into account. So what was that experience like for you guys? I think we didn't have a lot of trouble getting people to be interested in getting people to come out to our events, mainly because it was really something that was needed. Um, Mm -hmm. I think our organization provided something that not a lot of organizations have done, especially in the Muslim space. We offered a space that was led by Muslim women, um, and, and that's something that sadly is kind of rare. Um, and so I think people, because they, you know, because they know us, um, and also because we, I think we try to make an effort to reach out um, to other groups. So surprised, like I think we were all surprised by that our first, our very first event, um, we had a turnout that was like so much better than we thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I think that really speaks to to the interest and to the um, the kind of the lack of representation. Mm-hmm. And so within that, what like going in like when you guys knew like. Did you guys know what kind of structure you wanted? Like, did or was it just kind of a like, we're gonna give it to up to the people, mm-hmm. democracy kind of stuff? Yeah, I think we had an idea of how we kind of wanted things to go, but 
luckily, as we've gone on, we've been inspired by different things and we've had different requests to do things. So we just kind of add on as we go. So every event we have, we're like talking to each other on the phone, like, oh, you know what we should also do? We should add this as well, or we should add that. So we just have all these ideas and inspirations. And I think that's what's cool about working with such passionate people is that we're just always adding on, building up yeah. events. And I think that the, the really cool thing about like our dynamic as a group is that all, the three of us come with different, you know, experiences and expertise um, that really kind of co contribute a lot to the organization's work and, and its sustainability. So we find that kind of like fitting really to our, you know, to our organization's mission as well as like mm -hmm. the events that we have. Um, you know, I mean, it does seem like as, you know, even though it was really kind of like really exciting to see all of the achievements that we've made with the events and workshops, there were challenges that we've had especially as like muslim women mm -hmm. um and women particularly leading these spaces and kind of um finding like you know people finding that validity um in the in the things that we say and in the events that we have just because we're women um and i and i remember like when we first started everybody was like who are these feminists <laughs> you know doing this work and you know like where you proudly come out and say yes we're feminists like yeah. you know that's part of our religion and that's part of this is part of our mission feminism um and so like we i mean as we did see challenges and kind of the the start but i think it's becoming a lot more easier to navigate together definitely and so the kind of adverse reaction that you discussed was that from people from the community was it from men from women like like who were the main people that were kind of pushing back so um i would say um you know i mean we we did get kind of that backlash from both the muslim community and outside the muslim community and mm -hmm. i mean definitely it was coming from from you know people who identify as male for sure <laughs> uh, i mean most of our events until this day till our last event that we had the celebrating resistance bonfire most of the people that come out are women Mm -hmm. um, and put, we had the launch event that we had um, back a year ago. Most of our 95% of our performers and artists were women, which is amazing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really heartwarming, but it's also problematic because when we talk about sustainability and when we talk about um, navigating power in the Muslim community, it can't just be through women mm -hmm. or channeled through the, the women in the, in the community, but also has to be through the men in the community. Um, but I mean, we've had we've we've created several relationships and several, you know, um, networks with the with other organizations, other Muslim-led organizations that are predominantly led by man, man, men, and <laughs> they've like talked to us, and you know, a lot of them were even saying, "Oh, we want like an event about unpacking feminism. We want to learn more about that. What does that mm -hmm. mean?" Yeah. And so I think that that's uh, also something that we've taken as a role as an organization is to kind of introduce something that hasn't been talked about much. Mm -hmm. But that's very necessary in our community. Absolutely. And you're saying um, a lot of the pushback was from men being like, what's all this? Has there been any um, hesitancy from more sort of entry level feminists who have maybe their own um, positive or negative preconceptions of what they think being a Muslim woman is like? Has there been any sort of um, like disconnect there or have people been mostly open to learning that are non-Muslim women who consider themselves feminists? Um, well, definitely. I think like feminism, we can all agree on a, you know, a basic definition of what feminism means. But I think it's also very broad. 
particularly mm-hmm. with the experiences, particularly with what Muslim women have. I mean, there's something called Islamic feminism, and we can kind of define that as well, but that's also broad. So, I mean, for sure, people, you know, Muslim women come into these spaces with their own um, perspective on what feminism means and what that means to them. Um, but I think that's where kind of like these spaces take a role in kind of flushing out what these definitions mean. What do they mean to, to our organization? What do, they, what do they mean to our work? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we definitely grappled with that, but, I mean, but, but it only brings up really necessary and important conversations so to it's move forward. Productive. So it is very productive, yes. Yeah. And so this is kind of something I've found to be in my experience, like with the more traditional Islamic community, typically with the older generation, that, you know, the idea that feminism is this, like, radical idea, you know, it's, like, not something that we want to associate with. And then on the other side, you have the whole idea that, Islam isn't a feminist religion or isn't uh, a religion that empowers women. Um, have you guys had to confront either of those uh, ideologies and like what, I guess, would you, what would your response be to that? I think that um, it's interesting because a lot of spaces invite us to talk about female empowerment and all that, but then once we use the word feminism, it's like this trigger word and they're like, <laughs> no, that's not what we asked for. <laughs> so it's, um, it's definitely, we have to work to um, speak about feminism and frame it in a way that shows that it is, it's, it is part of our religion. It is part of Islam. Like if we can already acknowledge that female empowerment and um, female leadership is an integral part of our religion, then we can. I think that it makes people a little bit more open to see how feminism is important to us. So we definitely had to work with that, both from people within the community and outside. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's something that we've been working on, and I think we've been doing pretty well. <laughs> Um, and so another thing is kind of within Islam, like I feel like there's a whole lot of myths that come with the culture as well that might not necessarily be in the text or like in the quote unquote rules of Islam that are deemed unfeministic. You know, people bring out like all these things like, oh, well, like child brides in like so-and-so country and all these things. How do you kind of put that in the context of... Trying to do some debunking... Yeah, yeah like debunking Trying to do myths. some, like, myth-busting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's actually really great, um, because that's great that you asked that, because I think that's something that's very important whenever you start doing activism work in any... You, regardless of what your identity is or, or who you're, you're advocating for, you have to know yourself first, mm-hmm. and you have to know your history. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't know your history and you don't know, in a sense, who you are... Um, it, having a conversation like that is very difficult, you know what yeah. I mean? Or, or speaking to someone about that is very difficult. Um, and so I think for us, um, when we started this organization, we were probably at the beginning stages of, of kind of, you know, like being in about to leave college, kind of navigating who we were as people. And so it was a great point in our lives where it's like, okay, people, I'm, I'm getting these messages that, for example, like you said, Islam isn't feminist or Islam mm-hmm. um has like child brides or you know whatever whatever it might be um i think we were at that pivotal point where we could we could not only like learn and 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 educate ourselves about our culture and our religion but we could also then take that and take that empowerment that we've gained through our education and be able to have those conversations with Mm -hmm. people without feeling like you know like we were not you know like that we were in the wrong in a sense that we didn't know who we were um, and so I think that's a very important first step before you, and you're always learning when you're doing activism work, um, but I think it's a very important first step. Mm-hmm. Um, and so another thing, too, is I forgot what I was going to say. 
that happens. Um, I think too is okay. I remember what I was gonna say. Sorry, guys. But sometimes I feel like even like within my own day to day experiences, like I get a lot of questions, you know, about being um, being Arab, being Muslim, and a woman, like and all these things. Sometimes you don't always have the answers. So what 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 do you guys recommend doing in those situations, or how do you sort of deal with, you know? And sometimes some questions aren't. You know, there, there's not, like, a set-in-stone, like, answer. It's, like, there's so many layers to the question um, that you have to consider before giving an answer. So how do you guys deal with situations like that? Well, so, I, think, yeah. <laughs> I think we all have a different answer. Yeah, yeah go um, for it. So I definitely think that my answer would be that you don't have to educate people about <laughs> It's not yeah. your job. You're not getting a check <laughs> if, if we're answering questions about Islam. So, and that's my personal opinion. Layla or Iman might have a different opinion on that. Yeah. For me, I feel like if you want to learn about my religion um, and you are seriously interested in Islam, then you can go talk to someone who might be more knowledgeable than me. And even when that person goes and speaks to, for example, the Imam or the Sheikh or whoever at the mosque, that person might give them a different answer than another sheikh yeah. or another imam. So it's like, if you want to do that work, that's awesome. That's great. But it's not my job. Like, so that's yeah. me personally. <laughs> no, I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. But um, I do want to add to that. Like, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes I, I feel okay to answer questions, um, mm -hmm. you know, that deal with my identity or my religion. Um, and sometimes I don't. I feel tired, exhausted, you know. But I, I mean, I usually say, if this is someone that I'm comfortable talking to, um, I and I don't feel like maybe answering the question, you know, at that moment or that I don't really know the answer to it. I just, you know, tell them like, you know, how about we talk about this another time where I can answer that question better. Yeah, kind of just like a respectful decline. Yeah, and then, well, and then all, it's not really like, yeah, I mean, I it's totally, you know, yeah, respectful. But also, I mean, I would also say vice versa that for the people that who are asking these questions, maybe to a close friend um, and they find that that person isn't too comfortable answering I would, I would, you know, suggest that they tell that person, okay, well, whenever you're comfortable yeah. telling me that information or answering this question, just let, you know, just... So just you know, being respectful of, yeah. like, boundaries and right. things like that. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything different yeah. in your experience? That, yeah, I, I agree with what uh, Doha and Layla are both saying. I think I've become more and more comfortable with refusing to answer questions <laughs> <laughs> because... Especially, like, as a woman who wears hijab, sometimes people think that they can ask anything they want. Like, the yeah. most personal, intrusive questions, and it's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> right. So, I just ha I've taught myself how to be comfortable with saying, you know, I don't want to answer that question. I don't feel comfortable answering that question. And I don't think that that should um, take away points. Like, people think you lost a debate or something oh, because you don't yeah. want to answer something, right? So, I think it's just... You know, be comfortable, be confident in what you know, and just say, I don't want to answer, or maybe I just don't know. And it's mm -hmm. also hard because some people, like, you know, you know, a lot of Muslims would say, well, you're turning down that da'wah opportunity. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what da'wah means, like, you know, the opportunity to teach, yeah. you know, others about, you know, your religion, your, your mission. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, I think that, you know, you don't have to sit there and walk every day giving da'wah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have, you have your own personal space, and you yeah. have your own comfort. Um, in, in doing so. so, And I feel like oftentimes um, in a lot of minority communities, there's the issue of feeling like you're expected to be an expert on yourself, expected to be a fountain of knowledge for anyone who wants to come up to you and just like grab your energy from you to learn. And I was wondering how you balance being sort of public figureheads in the community and wanting people to be able to come to you with guarding your emotional labor. Like where do you kind of draw the lines of being like, we want to inform people, but 
Is it more of like just on my own time? Is it more like in structured settings? Like how do you kind of draw the lines of when and where? That's a really good question. <laughs> I think it's. I think it depends. I think that there are certain people who might come up to you, um, and just the way that they approach you, or like, or if even if you know them personally. Um, they, they approach you with a certain kind of like energy, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I'm a, an energy type person. And so for mm-hmm. me, I 100% don't mind having a conversation with someone like that. Um, but I think, I think you know yourself and you know when something is going to be draining for you. Um, and I think rather than like kind of trying to, to decide whether or not that person is worth kind of like responding to, I think, I think it's worth asking yourself can I, like, can I give this information to them? Can I, like, afford to, to help them? And if, and if you really are in that stage of your life where you, you're not necessarily feeling like you're up to answering all these questions or whatever it might be, I think at that point you can always, always refer that person to someone else. Um, and, it, and, and it's great to, to kind of, like, talk to people at the human level. I feel like that's, yeah. that's kind of what I'm really good at. I might not have all the answers about Islam necessarily, um, or I might not even have the same view that this other person has who might also be Muslim. But I, I think I thrive in that space where we're, where we're just talking about being human. Whereas for someone else, they might thrive in, like, in a different space or in a different like situation. Yeah. How about for you guys? I think that for me, um, about the whole like being the figurehead kind of thing, it's, I, I feel more pressure from um, people to represent Muslim women the right way mm-hmm. and we've gotten some comments of stuff about like oh how, you know you're not representing the right way or you're not being the right Muslim or whatever and I think that again it kind of goes back to my last answer about just being comfortable with who you are and feeling okay with just saying no or just um, turning that down we don't need everyone to be on board we don't need everyone to be with us um, as many people as we can get is great but some people just are not going to get with it, and we have to be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I totally um, piggy, will piggyback on what they said. I mean, um, I, like, as a person, as a Muslim woman who doesn't wear the hijab, um, have gotten a lot of comments about not being able to represent this organization well, or how can I, you know, be a leader of a Muslim-led organization while I don't wear the hijab, and, you know, just, like, invalidating who I am and, and kind of my, like, expertise and my ability to lead an organization like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of kind of like, you know, people coming and asking for resources, I think that I'm all, I always make myself available as a resource, yeah. which is, sometimes is, is unhealthy, um, you know, in terms of like self-care and, um, you know, kind of like, you know, taking care of my own energy and my own space, which I'm working on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I also think that in the social justice work, um, or just like among social justice folks, I think that we're not compassionate enough with people who are not, you know, there yet in terms of like social justice um, or just kind of the knowledge of, you know, these movements and what's happening currently in our in our country and, and, and politically. So I think that, um, you know, for me, for, you know, specifically, I, I, te- I want to be a resource for that. I want to make sure that our information is user friendly, is accessible to, to people who are just, you know, kind of being introduced into the movement. Yeah. Um, and not mm-hmm. shutting people down just because they may not know what intersectionality means or what mm-hmm. feminism means um, or, you know, all these, like, really nuanced terms. Yeah. So. 
And so to go off the political idea, this one is probably a topic people have asked you about before, but what is it like living as a Muslim, especially to the two of you who wear hijab since you're obviously very visibly Muslim to the average American? Um, What is it like being a female Muslim in, quote unquote, today's America with all the, you know, political climate and all that stuff? Not to not to get super specific, but like, you know, generally. (laughs) Like, the snarky person in me wants to, like, do it, respond. Do it. I get a lot more smiles from white people than I used to. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm serious now. <laughs> like, I feel like there is, though, that element kind of... There's the compensation. Of there's right. a lot yeah. of pity. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot and, of And, like, smiles. white guilt, almost. Yeah. Kind of the idea. It's like, oh, I, I want to prove that I'm not a racist. Right. And it's like, honestly, keep smiling at us, because that for the most part, is very encouraging. But, you know, yes, you, gotta, yes. you gotta take that extra step and, like, know more. But yeah. other than that, what have been your thoughts and experiences on this? Kind of, and especially, to you guys started a year ago. So that was right mm-hmm. at the brink of, elec- of the election. You know what? Of, of, <laughs> of the day that some cool, not cool, some interesting things happened. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, like, what has that been like? raising this organization in that kind of climate and then just being yourselves as individuals. There's so much to <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, there's so much. I, I, I'll say right off the bat, I think I've learned a lot about, I think I've learned a lot about community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've realized that my definition of, of who is in my community and who has my back has shifted a lot mm-hmm. um, in the sense that I thought people like going back to my comment earlier, I thought people who, you know, I would never think would support me as a Muslim woman, a Muslim woman, support me. You know what I mean? Um, and it might have taken certain things to happen for them to, you know, feel that way. But at the end of the day, you know, they support me. And then there are people who I thought supported me as a Muslim woman with my identity who, who don't. Um, and then I guess on top of that, I've learned and I'm still learning the importance of showing up as myself as who i really am Mm -hmm. um and i think that's a huge definitely a huge chunk of our organization we always say um at our events we want you to show up as your authentic self um and i think that the challenges of the political climate have really challenged me as a muslim woman to make sure that wherever i'm going that i'm not deluding myself and that i'm not um, making myself feel small or or allowing Mm -hmm. anyone to make me feel less than who i am so I'll definitely say that's a it's hard, but it's a huge positive for me. Yeah, I think also um, our community is realizing more and more every day, I think, um, how our struggles are all interconnected. And if we work together, we can come out of our shoes one day. <laughs> like, I, I think that we talk a lot about intersectionality and how we can't just focus on one specific topic. Every topic is intertwined, like um, civil rights, and you know, immigrant rights, Islamophobia. All those things are intertwined in the same root. So I think more and more people are realizing that. So everything that's been going on, people are more interested and intrigued to hear about what we do and learn about the people we're involved with and the um, events that we hold. I think in a way it's motivating communities that before were kind of complacent yeah so I think it's it's another plus with the community yeah um I think that for me personally I mean it's definitely been exhausting as also an immigrant um and as a Muslim woman who's not who doesn't wear the hijab and of course I acknowledge that privilege 
every day and also with the work I do with Iman and Doha at Muslim Women for. Um, but I think that something that I did notice that has changed is that historically the, Mus- the Muslim community in this country you know, has been silenced mm-hmm. a lot. And, and, I, and for many reasons, and hasn't been as politically or civically engaged or active as much as I want them to be, but also for very valid reasons, um, because of fear, mm-hmm. um, you know, because of the, you know, threatful environments and, and this kind of, like, violent atmosphere that we've been living, you know, for the past, like, 15 years. Um, but I think this is, be- this is changing a little bit, you know, and, and I think, you know, it's becoming, they're becoming a lot more, um, you know, their voices are being uplifted a little bit more. And I think a lot of that has to do with work by Muslim women. Mm-hmm. Not just, I mean, not just here, not in the U.S., but overseas as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Muslim women are on the front lines of movement all over the world. Yeah, because they're coming up more and more now. I right. mean, like you have like one of the organizers for the Women's March, a Muslim woman, Malala Yousafzai, obviously, mm-hmm. Muslim woman. Um, I can't, I'm blanking on her name. I feel so terrible. But the uh, U.S. Olympic athlete, the oh, fencer. Right, yes, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just so many faces yeah. that people and in can all different associate. kinds of sectors. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but in terms of social justice, we've seen a lot of Muslim women, you know, coming out and leading these movements. Um, mm-hmm. And but and and then we're seeing this change, and we're seeing like more immigrants come out, and and you know, and and being part of the movement as well, and being part of these actions. But also, you know, we did start during that time. Um, and what what I've noticed, and what and I'm and I'm loving this so much, is that we're really focusing now on like cross commu- community solidarity building and mm-hmm. the importance of that. So not just focusing on the Muslim community. Yes, we're highlighting those issues. We're definitely providing those services to that community, making sure that we're really emphasizing that. But we're also looking at like anti-black racism mm-hmm. in the Muslim community, making sure that we're prioritizing that. We're looking at how do we kind of you know reach out to the other communities like the Native American community. Like that's mm-hmm. important for our community to know that this is this land belongs to like, like the Native American community. Yeah. You know, we need to know that as a community to move forward because if coll- collective action is necessary in order for justice to be maintained and and achieved mm-hmm. through from all these uh, you know all these movements and all these communities. Do you think in some ways that being in such a tense political climate right now has kind of like the pot is boiled over and we're at the point where it's like, okay, instead of just being reactionary to like being on the defense of like, no, we're not this, we're not that. We're like, you know what? We're going to spread our own message because we're tired of being told what we are when that's so prevalent right now to like, instead of just being overwhelmed by the fear of this time period, kind of using that energy to fight back because. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. definitely, um, that's definitely, and that's not, and that's not just happening in the Muslim community. It's happening in all different marginalized communities. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, you've seen it with the LGBT community. You've seen it with the, you know, the black community. You've seen it with the Latinx community where people aren't just saying, you know, we're not going to only protect, you know, our community, but we're here, we're reclaiming our time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Maxine Watts. (laughs) <laughs> we're reclaiming our time. We're reclaiming our identity. We are telling our own narrative. And this is part of our work. We're telling our own narrative. We're tired of hearing, you know, our story from someone else. And that's happening all, you know, all across movements. And that's what's bringing people together. Because these movements are in- inherently intersectional. Definitely. And so we're going to take a really quick break. But when we get back, we're going to talk to the ladies here about what they project for the future of Muslim Women For You're listening to 88.1 WKNC. Uh-huh. 
88.1 WKNC. That song you just heard was called Really Doe by Danny Brown. Before that, you heard Take Yours by Mike Floss. My name's Sarah. My name's Janae. And you're listening to the Oak City Move, a weekly program here on WKNC. Today, we're talking to the three women of Muslim Women 4. Hey, guys. Hi. So before the break, we kind of talked a little bit about um, what Muslim Women 4 is and kind of just different experiences of being uh, a Muslim woman of various identities in the United States. But for just a quick recap, could you guys uh, tell us their names and then what Muslim Women For is and what their objectives are? My name is Iman Ali. My name is Duhan Madini. And my name is Leila Ali. And so, again, what is Muslim Women For and like kind of the objectives of the organization? Um, so Muslim Women For is a community-based organization that's based out of Raleigh. It's only about a year old now, um, and it's a, com- it's a community organization that's led by three Muslim women um, that works to uplift the voices and narratives of Muslim women and women of color um, through advocacy, um, service, and, um, you know, just kind of making sure that our work is uh, la- sustainable and creates lasting social change in our communities. Awesome. And so, like I said before the break, we were kind of talking about what you guys' different experiences are as being Muslim women during like the politi- the current political climate and things like that. So on a different note, what kind of uh, initiatives are uh, are the organization taking currently and looking forward to in the future um, to kind of cover some of the topics that we talked about earlier? I think that a lot of the things that we're working on is um, providing opportunities for people to learn, people who want to... Um, learn about certain things or um, have access to certain resources. That's what we're working on. So, like, for example, we have a movie screening coming up for Equal Means Equal, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it's called. Um, and that we'll have a discussion after that to talk about gender inequality. And then we wanna, we're want to we planning a um, self-defense class um, for to make it accessible to Muslim women, um, specifically designed for Muslim women. And then we're ha- working on an online toolkit. Layla is working on one. Um, for resources for Muslims in the community. So what we're kind of working on right now is a lot of um, educational opportunities or opportunities for people to have discussions about certain topics. Um, and then we we uh, will hopefully do a lot of other fun stuff <laughs> after. And so what, uh, sorry, <laughs> what are some of your favorite um, events or topics uh, that you guys have covered in the past? So recently, we, from time to time, we do spaces that are um, sort of healing spaces that we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. And we recently had an event um, that was about unpacking the hijab, where um, only women were, were allowed, women, um, people who identify as women and people who identify as Muslim. Um, and so it was, it was really nice to, to just sit down and have a conversation um, with, with Muslim women and to actually, um, we, we hear a lot from from. Muslim men or, or people outside our community um, of what hijab is and what it's supposed to be. Um, and there's, I, I honestly think that there's, in a sense, like politics that divide us as women. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes hijab can be used as one of those tools uh, to divide. And so I think we left that, I I know I can speak for myself, I left that event really feeling a lot of compassion. And I think that that's conversations that we as Muslim women need to have amongst each other uh, to make sure that we're we're not only checking ourselves and checking our privilege but also that we're learning from each other um, and and gaining and so that's that's definitely something that I enjoyed. 
Um, we also had um, the the most recent event we had was called Celebrating Resistance. So we it was a really fun event. I mean, we had uh, a lot of different organizations like Planned Parenthood, like the Education Justice Alliance, like the um, Social Justice Storytime for Children come out. Um, and it was really it was really beautiful. We explored together what resistance means to us because it's such a broad and really, really kind of heavy word mm-hmm. and has been, you know, has evolved over the years and, and throughout history as it what was it what what it means to us in our community. We also had awesome performers from different um, you know, different backgrounds like Rise Rashid, mm-hmm. who's a hip hop and R and B black Muslim artist, mm-hmm. come out and do a spoken word. We had um Lost in Sound. Um, which was um, also two bl- black artists that are that are that are non-Muslims, but that came out and did a perform amazing performance. I mean, it was really a great opportunity to introduce the Muslim community to the to work by other community members and to kind of you know bring in that creativity aspect and show resistance kind of visually and what that means to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had speakers also from the Latinx community that you know talked a little bit about what resistance means to that community. We talk someone who works in the immigrant community talks about what it what it means or what it looks like to work in the undocumented community, mm-hmm. um, which was really important. Um, so I mean it was beautiful. It was it was so much fun. It was so great to explore what that meant together, um, and it was also showing the Muslim community and other Muslim-led organizations that the importance of really kind of working together collectively with other organizations. It was yeah. different. It was something that the community didn't see before. Oh my God! Like I wish y'all, I wish y'all came. Like, yeah, my yeah. question was gonna be like, oh, like you talked about intersectionality. What are some organizations you've worked with? And you were just like, boom, boom. boom. <laughs> so many incredible it's like organizations you've already she, worked with. Like, oh my it. God! No, All right, so amazing. yeah, new question then. <laughs> um, so you guys are all pretty young, and that's just makes what's going on and what you guys are doing more incredible but um what's kind of the age range of the people that you tend to be working with like what's the age range of the women that are involved with this and then to go off of that are they usually all muslim or like you know identify with a with a minority community so like a person of color um queer like something along those lines or like what what kind of the demographics i guess for your organization members I think that um, despite us being called Muslim Women 4 and despite us being three young Muslim women, we've done a pretty good job at um, inviting other communities and other ages to come out to our events. We always emphasize that anybody's welcome to our events. The hijab talk space that Daha mentioned earlier, that one was the first kind of the first event where we had it specifically for Muslim women. And then we had a block a black Muslims talk space, so that was specifically for black Muslims. But aside from those two events, all of our events have been open to anybody, um, male, female, Muslim, non-Muslim. Um, and we've had so many different age ranges. Um, that's one of the really cool things about this organization, I think, is that when we talk especially about social justice and um, civil rights and things like that, we've had people come to our events who are part of the civil rights movement. And that's oh, just been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and who are <laughs> Yeah, Muslim yeah, Muslims that have been part of the civil rights movement and that's been amazing. And uh, just older generations that are doing work <clears throat> in the community on their own who come out and talk about, you know, the things that they're working on and that's been really awesome. And then we also have super young young girls that want to <laughs> get involved and are just starting their social justice <laughs> journeys. So it's been really great. To go off what you were saying about the civil rights, um, mem- like p- yeah. someone that was in the civil rights movement, but and was also Muslim, 
I feel like there's such a big kind of image, like even if it's an unconscious one, that like Muslim people just like showed up to America in the past mm-hmm. like yeah. twenty or thirty years. Like they just yeah. came out of nowhere, and they're all from <laughs> Middle Eastern again. like yeah. Arab countries. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple from like Southeast Asia, but like right. like maybe one or two. But like that's it. <laughs> but like that like, kind of the idea that like like Islam is like as in America is as old as like the mm-hmm. technical like quote unquote founding. That's a whole nother story for another time. But with you know the whole um, with all the pilgrims that came and stuff like that, Islam came with that because I mean even at the um, North Carolina Museum of History that's downtown, there's an exhibit about uh, a black slave in North Carolina. He was Muslim, and so like you can trace that all the way back then. So I do think just like kind of the idea that people assume that one all Muslims are Arab and then two that Islam came to America like this great big like wave mm-hmm. like around 9-11 time like it's like they just like kind of open like everyone just kind of opened their eyes and realized that Muslim people were here and it's like oh we like we were here the whole time it's yeah. like we didn't just show up after 9-11. There was definitely Muslims that came before 1492. <laughs> yeah no like, you know when explorer explorers were like you know you know going around they were like translators some people were translators who were Muslim who identified as Muslim and yeah. a lot of people have talked about that but I think that particularly for the Muslim community I think it's really important that we realize particularly like you know immigrants or people who do uh, who come from southeast asia or from the middle east um that it, if it wasn't for the resistance of the black muslim community mm-hmm. um oh, yeah. in the 50s they carried us for yeah. up until like, we would not have mosques yeah. oh no 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 to assemble in mosques i mean the raleigh mosque the iar mm-hmm. or the first mosque that started in raleigh was started by black muslims yeah no like they're a foundational part. And going off what she's saying, the IAR, the building of the IAR was advocated for by African Americans who are when that community where the IAR exists at right now, where 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 it's at, Mm -hmm. when that community like completely resisted the building of the mosque, Mm -hmm. the building of the mosque. So, I mean, it's definitely important to recognize Mm -hmm. their that work and to make sure that we uplift it, and we always try to do that. Um, we talk about that. And just to clarify, IAR is the Islamic Association of Raleigh, which is actually super close to campus. If anyone is interested in learning more about Islam, like more factually, um, it's on Atwater Street, if I'm not mistaken, which is on the Wolf Line. So if any of you NC State people out there listening, yeah, you can definitely go check it out. They always have open houses um, and opportunities, you know, to speak with leaders in the community and things like that to kind of get like a more uh, in-depth look at the you know, scripture of Islam and, like, religious texts and things like that. So definitely something worth checking out. But, yeah, no, just there's so many kind of stereotypes, I feel like, around Islam, like, that may not necessarily be, like, very violent in, like, the stereotypical sense of, like, terrorism and all that, but that are still just as harmful and kind of mm-hmm. erase such a huge part of the community's history. I agree, and I think that with our events, I distinctly remember an event um, where I was speaking to the sister who um, her father had literally started the mosque, um, the first mosque, I believe, in, I don't know if it was North Carolina or just the Triangle area, Um, and just speak, me as a Muslim woman, speaking to her was so reassuring because I think think we, we tend to think that Oh, you know, like right now with the political climate, this is the worst that it's ever oh, no. been. <laughs> and speaking with her, it, it was so reassuring. I remember she said to me, um, she t- said to me, this is cyclical. Like this, it, it's in cycles. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's happening now, but it's your, it's your job now and your job, your generation's job to, 
to kind of like make the right decision yeah. and, and push back against it. And like carry on the work of exactly. the people before us. And that's reassuring to me as a Muslim woman. To me, that's that's what I need because things now are a lot better than they were in the past. And oh, yeah. I think that when we when we allow when we allow our community um, to erase the contributions of black Muslims or Af- Muslims of African American descent, um, African descent, I think I think that is what causes adds to the fear. Um, and so it's it's very important to, to remember that we we have so many great people um, who can really help us fight this like generational battle. Definitely. And so for kind of one of our last questions, I kind of thought of this one a couple of days ago when I was someone had asked me like you know, you know what are you guys planning for Monday blah blah, blah whatever and I told them it's Muslim women for and they said Muslim Muslim women for what and so I want you guys to complete the sentence Muslim women for what each of you can put your own spin on it Muslim women for positive social justice change Muslim women for the destruction of white supremacy. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Okay, so before I say, like, Muslim women for what, it's a very intentional why it's Muslim women for blank. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of got this yeah. um, kind of, like, idea from a, a similar kind of, not a similar organization, but another organization that's based in D.C. It's called Young People For mm-hmm. um, that I worked with, and, and, and it's kind of, like, similar, a similar idea of as to why we kind of left it blank. But basically... Muslim women for, because we're only three women, we don't represent the entire Muslim community. Definitely. And we recognize that the Muslim community is very diverse with different struggles, different issues, different experiences, different stories. Um, And because we want to make sure that our work is intersectional and sustainable and collective, we can't say Muslim women for something specific. It's something very positive. Mm -hmm. It's it's for change. Definitely. But that change... um, is channeled through different actions and you know different you know different people and different communities. So it's it's Muslim women for you know the vulnerable communities, for marginalized communities, for the communities we love. So it's Muslim women for all the things you guys said and mm-hmm. so much much more. Mm-hmm. And so if they want to learn about all these things that we've talked about and the so much much more, mm-hmm. where can they find y'all's work and reach out to you guys? We are on Facebook at Muslim Women 4. We're also on Instagram just this year at Muslim Women 4. And you can also email us at muslimwomen4 at gmail.com. And that's 4-F-O-R, not the number.